Welcome, brothers and sisters, to the house of the Lord. Are we ready to praise the Lord? Yes! Right. Amen. So as we uh, prepare our hearts for praise and worship, I've got a quick scripture, and I'll pray, and we'll get into, into some praise and worship. So the word of the Lord says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll pray and then we'll just go right into praise and worship. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just honor you, praise you, and give you all the glory today. We thank you for this time that you've given us to come together and to fellowship and to, to worship you. Lord, we just pray and ask right now, Lord, that you would just allow the worship team, Lord, give them the, anoint them with the, the blessing to, to bless us and bring us into that place. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to, to anoint and bless this service. Be with each and every one that's here. And Lord, those that are away from us this week, Lord, Wherever they are, Lord, draw them back to us. We miss them and we love them and we want to see them here. Lord, we just thank you once again for everything you're doing. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Amen. And the Lord says, for those of us who would please him, we must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who come after him. So I would encourage you tonight, seek after the Lord while he may be found.
Lord, we bless your name because you are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, we come after you tonight. Lord, we need you every day and every hour.
bless your name tonight. Lord, you are worthy of all honor, all praise, all glory. We bless your name tonight, O oh Lord. Worthy is the
nation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. We adore you tonight, Lord. Yes. We lift up your name. Lord, blessing and honor, strength and power and glory be to you. What can we say, Lord, that will adequately describe your greatness? What can we bring, Lord, that would add anything to your glory? We love you so much tonight.
service tonight to you, Lord, and prayer as well, let it all go according to your will, Lord. Again, I thank you for everything that you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord that he reigns. Amen. Passage came to mind when I was asked to come up here tonight to pray. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 records one of the many great promises that our Lord and Savior gave us. I'd like to share that with you. 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Simple, but magnificent. The God of all creation, the God of all heaven, is sitting there right now waiting for us to come to him. Tell him what we need to tell him and to give us rest. It's absolutely amazing. Now I want you to join with me individually and as a church to talk to our Lord, thanking him, praising him, and presenting our requests to him. Father, we come to you tonight, humble before you, grateful for your mercy, your grace, your peace, your salvation, all your promises, eternity with you. Lord, it's amazing. It's beyond what we can understand. We take it in faith because you said it, and that settles it. Lord, we all have needs. We all have situations in our lives, and you know them all. Right now, we ask you to reach out to each and every heart here in this body, your body. Heal those who need physical healing. Comfort those that need comforting. Strengthen those that need strength. We need more of you, Lord. We ask you for more of you. We ask you to keep us in your perfect will. Show us your will. Guide us into your will. And give us the strength to stand for you. Lord, we ask for Eagle's Nest and to the least of these church. There are needs. You know those needs. <clears throat> We don't know where you're taking us, but we're ready to follow, Lord. And as a church body, we come to you and say, take us where you want us to go. Use us for your glory, Lord, and your honor. And may the world around us see you through us. And we will continue to praise you, honor you, and glorify your name. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise the Lord. So before we uh, ask our brother Sekou to come and break the bread of life and allow us to feast, I've got a couple quick announcements I want to make. I just want to remind you that if you're in the sanctuary and you need to use the restroom or get a drink or do anything outside this room, please exit the back door, go around, and uh, come back the same way. It's just respectful and helps uh, keep the flow of service going. Amen. Amen. And I uh, just want to remind you this week to keep our brother Jimmy and his daughter in your prayers. Um, do that. Also pray for Eagle's Nest Ministries as they step out and do different new things. And uh, bless all those that they, they work with. Just keep them in prayer. And keep this church in prayer. Just remember that your brothers and sisters, they, they desire your prayers. And they really feel good when they know that you're praying for them. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we'll get ready for our brother. I got a question for you. <laughs> How do you count a herd of cattle? With a calculator.
Yes. I was very moved by that joke. You're not the only one with corny jokes. Um, oh, there's something else in here. Um, first and foremost, thank you, um, especially for your prayers and the consideration and the help that everybody's been doing in this time. It's still an awkward time. Um, but, you know, having a chance to sit back and really observe the congregation, not just run from one place to another, but to actually interact and fellowship. Um, it, it's, it's not just a miracle, but it's a wonder what we have here. Um, all the different parts and pieces that fit together. If you look from the outside, if you go through seminary and they sit down and say, yeah, when you construct a church, you do it like this, and you put this over here, you get this. This is none of that. But yet this church is real. This church is not perfect, but this church has just so much going on in it. It's just a, a wondrous thing to be a part of it. Um, as we, as, as our brother said, you'd be surprised at how much stuff is going on outside of this church, um, different ministries and different organizations. And, and, and all of a sudden when we thought we were just kind of by ourselves and doing our own thing, now all of a sudden we're involved with other people and we don't know what the level of that is fully. We're still trying to figure that out. But the fact that we're not just some isolated group in the middle of nowhere. Um, you guys may not see it because we don't talk about it a lot, but it is happening, and it's a wonderful thing, kind of intimidating at times, but a wonderful thing to be a part of. Um, if you have your Bible, you should have your Bible, because um, you're going to need it today, So I don't have a PowerPoint presentation. I know how much y'all like those. I know. Um... But today we are, we are going to look at something that on the surface seems like it's seemingly simple. Um, but first and foremost, how many of us realize that in the world we deal with a culture of conflict? It's a culture of conflict. Um, when I went to go get my car serviced, I have earbuds in and I'm not really paying attention to what's on the big TVs because I'm watching Pacific Rim on my phone. But, um, <laughs> but I'm... I'm Paying attention, and I think one of it was Housewives of Orlando or some new Housewives show, and I don't know what they're saying. I just see dishes being thrown and people screaming and just, you know, I'm like, wow, pride is ugly. Because it's just, it's just arrogance. It's just me, me, me. It's just pride. And if you get in my way, you're going to see it. And, and haven't you ever noticed when you look around or when you're dealing with things, because we don't acknowledge it in ourselves, but pride in other people can be really, really ugly. It just sets you apart from everybody else. And really, that's what it is, is enforcing individuality. And if you get in the way of that, it's a conflict. And so we live in a culture of conflict. We, th there's, there's a world that fights between Democrat and Republican, between red flags and blue, between the North and the South, between black and white or brown, or yellow, or question mark, or whatever it is, there's all this fighting because we all want to be individuals as a world system. And it's a problem of pride. Really, at the core, it's a problem of pride. Individuality and I. And that's what we're surrounded by. 
But then the real reality behind it is that this is a world that is populated with slaves and students of Satan. Now, the world doesn't like us to say that, and it feels uncomfortable to even say that. But if you're not serving God, you're serving the will of the adversary. Well, I got free will. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. You're either serving the kingdom of darkness or you're serving God. You're not your own independent, free-minded, I'm going to do whatever I want to person. Nobody's going to amen that because people are going to go home and research that. No, I can make my own decisions. You can make decisions. You can choose to serve God or you're going to choose to serve the adversary. That's your decision. We can mask it up and cover it up anyway, and sometimes we have to talk real like that. But if you are in the world, you are a slave and a student of Satan, and there is no other way to coat that, to, to sugarcoat it. To, what are y'all cooking next door? It's very distracting. <laughs> and the problem is, is that the world... Everybody is a God in their own eyes. I, um, I listened to a program. No, it's, it's fine. It just smells really good. <laughs> um, I listened to a program where even, uh, I'm not going to say who they were, they're just an organization that at their core, what they want to <laughs> practice is not godly. However, it's not godly. It's not even biblical. But because they are popular, that popularity of the world gives them the ability now to tell organized religion that you guys don't know how to interpret scripture because what you guys think this word means is not what God intended and we can't decide on it so you can't call it sin. That's the world that we live in. Those are the people that are around us. And as Christians... The problem is, is that if we're not careful of where we are, our company can corrupt us. What's the Bible say? Evil company corrupts good manners. We can be around people and can two walk together unless they be in agreement. So we can be around some friends and either we're going to come to their level or they're going to come to ours or we're going to split ways. But it's going to be a very difficult road if we allow the consensus of the culture to seep in and get up underneath our way of thinking and our way of living to influence us away from the chief shepherd. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 23. And I know what everybody is, well, not everybody, but I know what some people are saying. Oh, say, who is phoning it in this week because we're going to Psalm 23. That should be elementary. And you know what? It really should be because when I was meditating on this, I honestly was like, okay, Lord, um, really? I mean, this is, we, we rehearse this so much. We go over this. We probably don't even, you better. <coughs> But we probably don't even have to open up the Bible because we already know what it says. We hear it at funerals for some reason. Uh, we hear it in, in random places. And, and there's a danger in that. Because like John 3.16, you wear it on your eyes, you see it on football players, you see it so much that it becomes common. And when things are common, we tend to think of them as less important but there is a message in psalm 23 
that today we're going to be challenged by. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say amen. Okay. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. Let's all stand in honor of reading God's word. We're reading Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. You say, we should read the whole thing. Well, we probably should, but we don't have that kind of time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for your spirit to speak to each and every one of us. Speak through us. Speak into our spirit what it is that you have for us. Let us be edified, encouraged, exhorted by your word and by what you have for us. And we thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, for those of y'all that think that this scripture is elementary and common, the Bible does say that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Y'all know that I've been hearing and talking about that, uh, the King James, for 30 years, so I don't know the full new King James, but if I go with the these and thous, just forgive me, I'm, I'm a King James person. But anyways, doesn't matter what Bible you're reading, as long as it's not November Indigo Victor. Um, <laughs> it's a joke, it's a joke, it's a joke, sort of. Um, so there are things in this scripture that if we meditate on them and actually look at them, we start to realize that Okay, it's more than just, okay, the Lord is my shepherd. That's great, and I shall not want, and he does all this other stuff, and then we skip to the end. But the fact that if you really sit down and look at it, this is a process. This is a process that our shepherd is doing with each and every one of us. And we can't just cut parts out and get to the parts that we like and skip the parts that we don't like. Like, for instance, many of us like driving the car. But before we could drive the car, there was building the car. Or for some of us that are into really, really old cars, there's restoring the car. There's fixing the car up, getting the brakes together. But you don't just, somebody had to build and build up and go through a process for you to enjoy the car. For us to enjoy the Christian life, it's not an instantaneous process. And there are, and some of us get discouraged because of that. But it is a process that is on going that we are being worked on worked through every single day of our lives and if we get discouraged that is because the adversary is trying to get us to have instant gratification instead of allowing God to do his work on the inside of us and like his like the word says he will what the good work that he started in you he will complete until the day of Jesus Christ I know people that get frustrated because they think well I'm not as mature as uh, Dave, or I'm not as eloquent as also, or, you know, I'm, I'm not any of these things like other people. Well, they that compare themselves with themselves are unwise. What is God doing with you? And he is the wise master builder, which means the things he is working on in Seku may not necessarily be the things he is working on in Kevin. And so for me to come along and not know what the shepherd's doing and say, well, I know God's working on you with this, but man, we really need to deal with that floral shirt. You're not in Hawaii, bro. Come on. Like, come on. Really? That's not, 
you know how many floral shirts I have in my closet? It's a nice shirt. I'm just using that as an example. Because honestly, we do that. We ignore what's going on with us, but we will gladly go over there and try and deal with the little issue in, in, in you while we have a two by four sticking out of our eye. Because we think we know what you need in all actuality. Christ knows what he is doing with each and every one of us. And if we work with the Holy Spirit to do the ministry he called us to do, then we will edify and work on what God is working on instead of coming up with our own plan for you which is a worldly idea of I know God said, but we should do this as well because it just irritates me. Let me move on before I start meddling and I get the hand signal there. Too late? Oh, well, we'll keep meddling then. Number one, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Most of us will skip to I shall not want, but let's go to the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd. Not my buddy, not my friend, even though he is a friend to us, he is a brother to us. But there is an acknowledgement in this sentence that we recognize him as the shepherd. We recognize him as the king. We recognize him as Lord. And it's not a title that I am vying for because I know what my position is, which is sheep. And you know what? When I can sit down and really trust the shepherd, I'm happy with that. But if I got pride and ego and all these other sorts of things, I may not say I'm in competition with Jesus, but, you know, every now and again my actions show that I'm in competition with Jesus. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, a shepherd leads the flock to where they need to go. A shepherd has a rod for a reason, because there are some sheep that decide the shepherd's leading the flock this way, and he knows what he's doing. But I know those flowers over there look really, really good. And so I'm going to go over here and enjoy these flowers while the flock goes over there and the shepherd goes, you have no idea what dangers are over here. You need to get over here. And if I keep going over there long enough, whack. Breaks a leg, puts me on his shoulder and says, come on, son. Till you get your act together, until you figure out what's going on, me and you need to get a relationship. And some of us are at that point. Some of us are at that point. We feel like, you know what, Lord, I know your Bible says this and you're good, and, but uh, whatever is in that oven, I, I'm using it as an example. Whatever in that oven is just so good and wonderful. And I get distracted, and then I got, you know, Christ and the whole congregation going, what is going on? And if I go over there too many times, I'm going to come back with John's cane because the Lord is going to have a conversation with me. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I am part of his flock. I may have a job which gives me a certain level of authority and servanthood and things like that. But at the end of the day, I am an under shepherd at best. I am still a sheep in God's flock. Just like the rest of us. And so when we start with that, before we go into anything else, we recognize he is our shepherd and we are his sheep. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. I, I, I surprised Eric, didn't I? <laughs> Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I dare them to try. And then he says, I and my Father are one. So if you think, well, this passage of scripture in Psalm 23 is just referencing Yahweh, he just said he is a chief shepherd and him and the Father are one. So we are his sheep. He is the ultimate authority. We can't change who Jesus is. As much as the world tries and as much as people who want to sin but still want the cover of Christianity try to say, well, Jesus really isn't that. He's this, and he's my buddy, and he just allows me to do whatever. And I'm not saying this so that everybody can go, okay, we're harping on sin, because guess what? It's a rampant problem that's in everybody in this congregation, and, and he who is without sin casts the first stone. But the issue is that we at least recognize and speak the same as him that we may enjoy an action, but it is still sin, and we go and repent. Whereas the world says we enjoy an action, and we have to figure out how to get God to condone it. I would never, never, well, I will never say never, but I am scared of that kind of hubris. Absolutely scared of that kind of hubris. Our relationship to the, to the shepherd is one of he calls, we answer, he gives, we receive, he acts and we respond. And when we realize that, he starts to take us down this process. Number one, he makes me. Let's stop there. He makes me. Last time I checked, I don't make anybody do something that they want to do. You ever caught a willing fish? I mean, seriously, you ever caught a fish that was just like, you don't even have to throw the hook. I'm jumping in the boat with you. Okay, I know there's some places in Florida that the fish fly and all that, but they, they're really not trying to get with you. They're just, you're in the way. But in all actuality, you never catch a willing fish. You never bag a willing deer. And all the hunters I know, I've never seen a deer, a moose, an elk, a, a bear, or anything go up to a hunter and go, right there. Right there. Take it. Take this out. Take this out. <laughs> Never seen that. By the same token, he makes us to lay in green pastures means that for some odd reason, we don't want to do that. You would say, well, that's absurd. It's a green pasture. It's food. It's a great place to be. Let me put that in real terms. Kevin calls me up and says, Sekou, we're having a prayer service on Tuesday. Bro, you really should come, and, 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 and we're just, we're just going to spend time with the Lord. And I go, that'd be, I guess, great. But, you know, Kyler Murray is going to be playing again. And if I just take time to go watch Kyler, I mean, he hasn't played in 11 months. You say, well, that's not a sin. Which is more eternally edifying? Watching Kyler Murray or sitting down in the presence of the Father with the brethren. And so that now we start to look at when he makes us to lie in green pastures. There are things we want to do that he says either now is not the time or that is not healthy for you. And we turn around and want to, you know, reach out for it anyways. On this diet that I'm on, 
um, not because of Kevin, but just this diet that I'm on. You think I want to just tear up cheesecake? You'd be right. Just go after it. Just oh, cheesecake, chocolate mousse, and all this other stuff. Just lump it up. And, 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 and God is like, you better get in shape. You better get in shape. I know what you're thinking. Godly uh, uh, bodily exercise rarely profits little, but it still profits because I'm 25. <laughs> 25 and, and one year short of 25 on top of the 25. And you know what? That's, I feel great, but the thing is, I have a job to do in the kingdom, just like we all do. And this car has to get me the distance in order to do the job that God has called me to do. So if I beat up that Honda, it will not go where I need it to go eventually. And if I beat up this car, it also will not go where I need it to go eventually. So I have to be a good steward of this body, which means push-ups and sit-ups and all that fun stuff. And, and, but still, in the interim... It doesn't seem fun, but I understand the process of what God is doing. So he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Here's where you need to be. Here is where you need to be. Here is what you need to study. Here is what you need to receive from me. And the ultimate question then becomes, do I trust him? The word for uh, lie down is rabats. So it's not just a sheep going, okay, I've had enough. Because you know, and it was kind of sad when I saw this, but if a sheep lies down and it ends up on its back, that could be fatal. It looked funny because in the video you see the sheep on the back just doing this and, you know, it's trying to roll over and it can't, but it's fatal. If they're on their back for two hours or so, it can kill them. I never knew that till today. That was kind of frightening. When this word robots is used, it's the sheep basically tucking their legs up underneath them, just comfortable. You know what happens when you tuck your legs up underneath you and you're comfortable? You can't get up and run very easily if a predator's coming. You have to trust the shepherd that where you're at is a place of safety. It's the place where you're meant to be, and he's got you covered. That's a tough word. Because if we equate now that God is putting us in a pasture for a reason, then we have to look at the fact of, do we trust the shepherd in the... <laughs> do we trust the shepherd in the places where he puts us? Oh, I'm not exempt from it. Deb's giving me that look. Are you listening to what you're saying? You bet, because I argued about this this morning. I don't want to work for... I, I'm, I'm used to doing my own thing. I don't, I don't want to impact anybody to be supporting me, I'm going to do what I do and then I'll still serve like I've been doing for 30 years and it's just shut up. Not necessarily shut up because in Hebrew it's shatok, but still it's, it's <laughs> chill out because you're not even talking in your right mind. Where is that even coming from? Is that a word that I gave you? Is that a word of faith? Is that of something and not a word of faith of me making it up? Is that something that I told you to do? Is that even scriptural? Be quiet. Be still and know that I am God. So then you go from trust to submission. We might <laughs> only get the green pastures and that be more than enough and not even get to the other three parts. But the fact about it is, 
if you look at where we wrestle as Christians, especially in this environment, and if I could be real, especially with some of the past issues that we have, it's trust and submission. We don't trust that God, I'm going to be real, so I hope, I hope that you guys can take this with a grain of salt. I don't trust that God has a, a godly woman for me sometime in the future, so I'm going to settle for pornography and not tell nobody. I don't trust that God has a, a, a good life for me, so I'm going to do what I got to do and, and just give to God whatever I have left. Oh, I love the Lord, but there's some areas where my, my trust is struggling. And instead of going to God and saying, you're my shepherd, help me to lay down in the pasture and trust you that you have your will in mind for my life, we hide. Mm. Boy, I wish I could get past this and go on to the good stuff. But it's reality for us. Deep down in the recesses of our mind, there are areas where we don't want to give to God because we don't trust him with those. And then we don't submit. And I'm not preaching at you guys as if I'm perfect and you guys need to get yourself together. But I can see in the areas and even in my own life. And God says, do you trust me here? I believe, but help my unbelief. That's a very real response. And it's better to be real with Christ than to run and hide and never have the conversation in the first place. To say, Lord, help me with my trust because I'm going down a road that could possibly end up with me on my back. And unless you come and rescue me, I'd be dead. And so he starts with the foundation of getting the sheep to trust and to submit. And then he goes on to, he leads me beside the still waters. So now you're up and you're moving and he leads you to still waters. And the thing about still waters has been bugging me for years. Sheep. So when I saw a picture of the waters that sheep will feed from, it's basically like the creeks that we looked at up north. They're not fast moving rivers and great big torrents where the sheep's going to put its head in and go. Because one, sheep can swim, but they don't like to because of the wool weighs them down. They really don't want to get in it. Number two, they're skittish. So you don't want to spook them. So what does this have to do with us? When God leads us to still waters, a refreshing, the things that he gives us, he gives us in a way that we can accept them. When have you ever seen God just overwhelm you? Seriously. When have you seen God overwhelm you? That would be like the equivalent of um, most of y'all that have had kids, you know, that especially between eight, I, I don't remember when we started feeding them solid, well, not solid food, but baby food, which is disgusting. Don't ever try it. But we started feeding them baby food. And, and you do it spoon at a time. Yeah, and they're going to spit at it and do whatever, but they need to eat. So you have patience. You don't go in there, otherwise that baby's going to start crying. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be bad. So you go in there with patience. You might be irritated, but you go in there with patience. You give them a spoonful. You make it fun. You sing the little song and all that. You know, and this airplane coming for the anger. And the kid, and so you do all the things in order to slowly feed the child. I have not, I've met some bad parents, but I've never met a parent that just puts all the baby food in a great big funnel. Just open up. Yeah. 
<laughs> Wouldn't do that. Even bad parents have some level of decency as far as not drowning their kid in disgusting pea baby food or squash or all that. Ah. And the same way with you. The still waters he leads you to is so that you can quench thirst and drink without being overwhelmed, without being spooked. That is like for us the equivalent of going into the word and he gives us what we need. We look for the great big revelation, how many angels can dance on the head of a pen and all these other things. And he says, this is what you need. And this is what you need to refresh you and wash it down. I want more. You just need that. Just that. So he leads us to still waters. But in Hebrew, that, that still waters is, is more like waters of rest. Resting waters or a place of refreshing, but resting waters. And that's, for me, just mind-boggling. Because for us as Christians, we often look to the rivers of living waters that comes from each other as a move of the Holy Spirit. And so when I look at this, yeah, you feed on the grass and the green grass that he gives you, but by the same token, that rhema and what comes out of our mouths for each other, if we listen to the Spirit, is for refreshing our brothers, not overwhelming our brothers and sisters. There was a guy, I know I'm not going to say his name because he might hear this recording. I knew him years ago. Uh, he liked to brag that he had a shotgun approach to evangelism. He would like to just unload both barrels on you and just, boom, take the word of God. And it's like, that's not biblical. I've never seen an angel with a gun, number one. Number two, it's not biblical to just ram all the word of God down somebody's throat and, and, and he did it because he liked the bravado of it, but sometimes we do it because we want to show everybody all that we know instead of what they need to hear. You know, like Seku preaching on Psalm 23 instead of uh, preaching on, you know, the, the Nephilim or whatever it is or something that fell. And, oh, it was a great and glorious, but God says this is what we need. And even if we think it's simple, it's more than enough because I guarantee you it'll give you enough to think on. He restores my soul. So he's already made you lay down by green pastures. Then he leads you besides waters of rest. And now he gets to this point in the process after a foundation has been built to start restoring the soul. I had to take a couple days to even think about this. We have a program that we're doing in the church called uh, Pure Desire, and it's, it's a great program. It talks about renewing the mind and things like that. And there's great physical information and all of that, and it's all great and good. And I'm not knocking it. But somewhere along the line, I've heard more preaching on, you're going to get this, and this is going on. I even heard a guy preaching about angels today. But we really have not done a lot of service in talking about the damage of sin on the human soul. We talk about its image and damage on the mind, but even people in this church are scarred deeper than their thought life in their soul because of sin, either theirs or the sins of others, 
and we don't talk about the recovery process, let alone triage, there's a medical word for you. We don't talk about triage. We very rarely even talk about the soul. And so we got people in churches, and even in this one, that are hurting deep down. And we say, well, get your mind together. But their problems are far deeper than their physical mind or even the construct of neurons that go on in their head. Their soul is damaged. You often wonder, why is it that I can't get around certain things? Your soul is damaged. And while he is, as, as it says here, restoring, which means shuv, which shuv, there's a, there's a Hebrew word called teshuva, which means to repent. Same concept, to turn. So he's turning your soul from ways of darkness to light. Ways of darkness may seem fun in the beginning, but they leave deep scars. Sometimes, and even most preachers don't really know how to address them. Souls being damaged. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but if he has a turn, your soul, it's a process of taking all that damage, all of that trauma that you've experienced or that people have done in their trauma towards you and figuring out how to heal you from that day by day. And that's a process. That is a process. In uh, Psalm 41, and we better move, so I'm going to have to cut some of this short, and we'll have to probably do it next week. Psalm 41, verses 1 through 4. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of the enemy. Well, this is the guy who considers the poor. Good for him. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. Awesome. You will sustain him on his sickbed. This is a righteous man. Then David turns around and says, I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Not just heal my mind. Heal my soul. Could I get a little real? I know this is uncomfortable, so we'll move on and just as we might not move on, but we'll either way. I warned us about prayer on Tuesday. I says when we start really just sitting in here and we only do it for 15 minutes in the beginning, eventually it'd be a half hour. I said when we start sitting in here, a lot of people are going to address one uncomfortable thing. They don't like sitting with themselves in the quiet. If you're in the car, how many of y'all drive with nothing on? Two people. I've gotten in the habit of doing it, but most people don't like sitting in the car in silence just hearing their thoughts because it gets dark real quick. Just, nah, so who do you think you are? What are you really doing? Like, this is how we are. Why did you wear that shirt? Nobody likes that shirt. Who are you trying to show off for? See, that's just that arrogance. And, and we're sitting there, is this the voice of the Lord? Is this my voice? Where is this coming from? Turn on the music. And you look for something to drown it out. I used to drive around listening to heavy metal music for a while. Just so that I don't have to hear this. And people go, he hath the devil. <laughs> if we only knew the truth. <laughs> If you only knew what was going on in my head, then you probably would say the same thing. But other people do the same Because it's very hard to sit down with your own internal damage and say, Lord, let's talk. And he just sits with you. 
He just sits with you. You say, well, why don't you say something? He just sits with you. You know what they teach us when we do funerals or if somebody comes to me and they says, you know, I just lost a loved one or I'm grieving or something like that, and I've dealt with some pretty traumatic situations. As a man, without being a pastor, but as a man, my first thing, and most of the women in here could attest to this, most guys, when women come to you and say, I have a problem, this happened at work, this happened at work, what's the first thing the guy tries to do? Fix it. Fix it. And what does the woman say? I just want you to shut up and listen. <laughs> It'll work itself out. Just shut up and listen. And then we get around and we get to prayer and we're like, Lord, I'm hurt and this is going on and that. And we want them to say something and fix it. And sometimes what means more is just us knowing that whatever we're going through physically, he is with us spiritually and nothing will ever take us out of his hand. But if we keep the chaos and keep the noise of medications or whatever else to try and cover up that hurt, we will also cover up his presence telling us, I got you covered. You survived it. You're not a victim. You're victorious. You survived, but you're more than a survivor. You're a conqueror. Yes, the things that happened to you weren't great, but sin is not without consequence in the world. Everybody is affected by sin. Everybody. We can vilify SOs, and a lot of people do, because they think, SOs are the worst people on the planet. Uh, they're just the ones that got caught. But it's really convenient for me to blame him for my problems because now I don't have to focus on my problems because in my mind, your problems are just so huge, so big. And really, it's just me avoiding dealing with this and dealing with the hurt in my soul. And if we don't ever sit down with the Lord and allow him to turn our soul more and more towards him, we will take that damage, we will take those problems and the mentalities that stem from it into every single facet in our life, from marriage to ministry. He starts by making you to lie down. Now you're trusting him and you're submitted to him. Then he leads you beside the calm waters. You can drink waters that not only are there to calm you, but to help you digest what you have eaten, to, to make it more personal to you, to help you integrate what you have received into your body so that when you get to the next step, you can trust the shepherd to start working on the deep issues of your soul. I'm going to have to stop at this part. But I want to warn you to let God work on you. Learn to follow the shepherd and let him work on you. There's a psalm that says, a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. But to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. In other words, if you're satisfied in Christ, you don't need cheesecake and all these other things, and I'm speaking metaphorically, in order to make you feel better because you're satisfied with him. You don't need the millions. You don't need the ego. You don't need to be better than Luis. You're satisfied with him. But if your soul is hungry and hurting, then even the bitter things seem sweet. The drugs seem sweet because they medicate. The porn seems sweet because it medicates. 
the drama seems sweet because the external drama I can cause when I yell at my wife covers up the internal drama that stirs when there's nothing around me to distract me from. So I urge you tonight. You say, is this a miracle process that happens? No. No. It's getting into a space, learning how to trust God, learning to submit to where he takes you, letting him lead you to the waters that refresh you so that you can sit with him in the process and allow him to start restoring your soul, to restore your soul. Tonight, if you think, well, you know, I'm exempt from that. I'm pretty good. I would urge you to get with God and take a look at that. Because all of us are a work that is being perfected into the day of Jesus Christ. And if you sit down and look in those quiet moments, you go, I am hurting. I got things going on. And I don't want to keep running to what's convenient to cover it. I want to go to my shepherd to heal it. And that's what he's there for. You may not like the process that he takes with healing, but you will like the result. You may not like the things that he takes you through in order to teach you how to actually love again, but you'll be happy when you see love demonstrated in your life. I know last week I saw some people that it, it really touched my heart how they no longer wanted to be victims of their own bitterness victims of their own hurt, victims really of the trauma of their own soul. They did not want trauma running their life anymore. It took going to a crazy place, hearing a crazy yellow guy say something, and they're just like, you know what? I, I don't know about this church, but I need to. And that's nothing about me or any of us. That is about the work that God does here. And sometimes he takes you places so you can hear what you need to hear so he can say, listen, let's start this process. Stop running to the things you've been running to and just trust me. I will protect you. I will cover you and we will get your soul restored. If that is you tonight, we're going to close in prayer and then we're going to go to the benediction. But I want to pray for you. And I didn't even know it was going to go this direction. But I know in this kind of church, in all churches really, but definitely in this kind of church because it's a little bit more open and raw, I know hurt is there. We can put on the good Christian face, but in all reality, we are Christians that are being perfected, which means there is hurt that is there. There is trauma that is there. There is things that we wrestle with that is there. And sometimes we feel like we can't even share it with one another because they won't understand. The only reason why real people, the only reason why people around you will act like they don't understand oftentimes is because they don't want you provoking the trauma that's in them. So they will laugh it off, they will joke, they will try to avoid having a conversation with you because it'd be too real for you to address your hurt because it makes them think of their hurt and they don't want to think of their hurt. But I pray that we grow to a point where we stop hurting and start being healed in Jesus' name and allow the shepherd to not only heal and restore our souls, but to also then be able to go on to step four, which is to lead us in paths of righteousness for his namesake, where we're not afraid of the world, we're not afraid of what they can do, we're not afraid of what's going to come at us, because we are wholeheartedly and total in our soul committed to the chief shepherd. What can man do unto me? 
what can separate me from the love of Christ? I can make a list, but really the list is shortened to what? Nothing. But I can't wholly grasp on that until I am whole in my soul. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I lift up the name of Jesus Christ, who died for each and every one of us on Calvary. And through your spirit, you see every single part of our being, where we're hurt, where we have damage to our souls, where we hold on to the deep, dark recesses, because number one, we're afraid to look at it. Number two, if we're honest, we don't even know how to live once that hurt is gone because we don't know a life without hurt, without damage. But Lord, you are our shepherd. And so tonight, we lift up our souls to you. And we ask you as our shepherd to take us to a place where you can restore our soul to wholeness so that we can be led into paths of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, we acknowledge you and declare you as our shepherd. And we trust you to start going into those deep, dark recesses within our soul and to allow a healing work and your glorious light to start to manifest in a mighty way so that it not only heals and restores, but bubble over into where we can share that same depth and that same level of light with each other. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. Would you all stand? See, if we had a PowerPoint presentation, we'd be stuck. But the thing about it is, sometimes you have to go where God has you to go. And I know that each and every one of us has some areas where we know we need God to work. We're tired of our medication. <laughs> We're tired of our excuses. We're tired of walking halter. We want to run for him. And I urge you to let him work on you and spend time with him. Would you lift your hands for the benediction? Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, let the church say, Amen. God bless you.